You're listening to Scattered by Anchored Baptist Church, where we are working to reflect the diversity of Hermanus as we gather to hear good news and as we scatter to share it. You saints of Anchored, misfits, called and gathered according to the word himself, Jesus, and his gospel for the purpose of blessing those who have not yet heard. What do we have to show for these last seven years? Something humble. That's true. Also, though, Jesus' own church here in Anchored Baptist. Yesterday, we came out and set up chairs, and Kean told one of Finnegan's friends that this church was planted like a seed in the ground, like that tree over there. <laughs> that is an exact quotation, and this is exactly what Jesus was talking about in our gospel passage this morning, that he has revealed these things to little children. As simple as it may seem, that is exactly what Jesus has done here with Anchored. He has established one of his kingdom outposts, a forward operating base where each week we are sent into those various callings that God has placed us in. And each week we are called back together to be reminded of and built up by the good news. Jesus has done exactly what he has promised to do in Anchored, and that is he has built his church. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want us to hear about the true, the good, and the beautiful of Anchored Baptist Church. Really, it's what my ambitions for Anchored Baptist Church have always been. And don't misunderstand I do feel uncomfortable with that phrase, my ambitions. And yet, as I read through Paul's letters, he had many ambitions for those people and those churches that he was either planting or was involved in. He wanted to see those churches begin and sprout and grow and come to maturity. So my ambitions are similar And I also want to encourage us as we go along to hold on tightly to those things. Or said another way, please, Anchored Baptist Church, stay on the path. So let's start by talking about that which is true. That thing, that those three things we're going to say, that are true, that I've always labored for here at Anchored, and maybe give a little bit more of a reason for why we labor towards those things. The first of which is simple, and we talked about maybe three weeks ago when I preached through a portion of Romans. And that is that there is one message that is always preached at Anchored, and that is Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins. Here's what the Apostle Paul has to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For the word of the cross is folly, it's ignorance to those that are perishing. 
But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of for since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. That's exactly what Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter, uh, whatever our passage came from this morning, right? Uh, Those that were supposed to understand did not understand. And instead, little children understood in their place. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Ah, sorry. Yeah. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Or as Paul continues in 1 Corinthians 8, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are, who are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and then to the apostles, and last of all, to one untimely born. He appeared also to me. The Apostle Paul really had one message to preach. There's much that the Apostle Paul taught. There's much that he wrote on, and yet he had one message that he preached. Anchored Baptist Church, we have one message that we preach. Week in, week out. It's intentional. And it's intentional for this reason. Since the very beginning, um, I've had very little faith in myself here at Anchored Baptist Church. I have had a lot of faith in one thing, and that is the Word of God, Jesus Himself. We, one of the things that I, one of the perspectives that I always teach from, that I always preach from, is that the Word is living and active. And here's what I mean by that that the Word is something that God works through always. And it's always through that Word that God is going to do something. So that when God says, let there be light, light appears. When God says um, uh, that, when the Word says that uh, Christ has been crucified for the forgiveness of your sins, then we can take it quite literally and quite at face value that your sins are in fact forgiven, that you are in fact saved by that one act in Jesus. And so we have some things that are true here at Anchored. One is that one message that gets preached all the time. 
Another thing that is true and good that I've always strived for, striven, strive, strove, I've done something for it here at Anchored, and that is to make sure that we are historically recognizable, that we are historically rooted as a church. Now, I know as soon as the word history comes out, it's boring, but bear with me, all right? Um, Have you ever thought about what your ancestors would think of you? And I know for some of you, yes, this is a topic of conversation all the time. For me, I often wonder what my ancestors would think of me. Would they be disappointed? Probably. Although, let's be honest, most of them probably didn't live long enough to think that they would have people that lived after them. They would probably be disappointed that I don't fight as much as I should that I don't drink as much as I should, and that, generally speaking, I'm a better person than they were. Okay, no, I don't know that for a fact. I don't know that for a fact. What I do know is this. My ancestors would probably not recognize me, and that's okay. I am totally happy with that. On the other hand, when it comes to my spiritual ancestors, I do wonder what they would think, right? So let's just say that we were to have the Apostle Paul walk into Anchored Baptist Church this morning. Would Paul recognize what we're doing as church? Well, I can't say with a lot of assurance yes or no to that. Uh, I think that he would. He would hear us singing. He would hear us reading God's Word and reciting it. He would see the Word preached, specifically Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins. I think Paul would recognize it. Would Saint, would Saint Augustine, would he walk in, or let's, let's choose uh, another African, let's, let's say Athanasius, would Athanasius walk in, uh, and would he look at what we are doing and say, ah, they're trying, I see what they're doing, it's not quite the way that we do it in the third century or the fourth century, but I get it, I have always hoped that our spiritual ancestors would walk into our church service and they would be able to actually worship with us. Anchored Baptist Church, this is something that is true and beautiful. So that when we read, when we recite, when we confess the Apostles' Creed together, when we confess those creeds from Scripture, we recognize that these are things that Christians have been doing since the very beginning. That if the Apostle Paul uh, could comprehend English, that he too would be able to walk in and recite his very uh, words that he recorded. Maybe he didn't write those specific words, but he recorded those words for us. Right? And he would be able to recite it right along with us. In Jude... Now, Jude's a very short book, so there's no chapters. But in Jude, verses 1 through 3, we read this. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved, in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Anchored Baptist Church, we are caretakers of that faith. 
when we have a, a fancy little tool like this that's published and bound, something that our spiritual ancestors did not have ready at hand. Uh, this is one of the things that we are attempting to do when we recite those creeds from Scripture, when we recite the Apostles' Creed, when we sing these songs that are very strongly rooted in God's Word. What are we doing? We are contending for the faith. Do you know this? Do you know this, that when we come together and we say one thing is true, we're automatically saying that there's about a thousand other things that are not true. When we recite the Apostles' Creed together, we are contending for the faith that was once for all handed down, delivered to us. Now, um, the third section, I keep on looking for an outline. I didn't put the outline up there, right? Uh, so what is true? The message that's preached, the, the, the historical rootedness of Anchored Baptist Church. And then lastly, and I won't go into great depth, this will be David's sermon for another day, uh, and, and that is that we're Baptist. I know that can be a bit weird sometimes, right? In fact, uh, all, all of my uh, church planting friends when they see the name of our church and they see our logo, the first question that always gets asked is, why'd you put Baptist on there? Because it's passe. It's old-fashioned to put Baptist. Even my Presbyterian friends don't write Presbyterian up on the church doors. Okay? <laughs> and So why in the world will we put Baptist on there? I'll tell you why. Because there's nothing worse then when you purchase a product and you realize that all the advertisements were lying to you, right? <laughs> this is a matter of, 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 uh, of honesty in advertising, if we wanted to say it like that. And we'll, we'll talk some more about the Baptist aspect of that in, um, in, in a little while. Uh, so we've talked about what's true of Anchored Baptist Church, and from the very beginning, what we've been working to do uh, if I were to just pick out one thing from the, from the Baptist side, uh, and I, there's too many Bible verses to go to right now, but and we'll touch on it here in just a minute. What I would say is this, is that one of the, the distinctives of what it means for Anchored to be Baptist is for Anchored to be a church that is not just run by one person. And now I know that I stand up here and I talk a lot. That's true. And yet, from the very beginning, one of the things that I have worked very diligently to do is to make sure that everyone knows that their voice is heard here at Anchored. Uh, to lead by a sort of consensus. For people to know that they can speak and be heard both by me and by others in the congregation. And as time goes on, and as we have a more formalized membership and a more formalized leadership as a church, um, I, I hope and pray that that will be even more clear, and I hope and pray that that will be even more helpful for us as it is formalized. All right, so what's, what's true? Now let's talk about what's good at Anchored. And some of the things that we uh, have as a church that um, may maybe you recognize it, maybe you don't recognize it. Um, and that is the health of Anchored Baptist Church. Now, 
there's probably a thousand different ways that we could measure the health of something, right? Like you could go to the doctor right now, and uh, I remember before we went back to the States last time, we had to go to the doctor, and he had to test my BMI, my body mass index. And if you use that as the only metric for measuring whether I'm healthy or not, it's not a great sign, okay? All right? I would like to think that if he took blood work, he would get a happier result. Although the doctor did tell me that he was sure it was mostly muscle and everything would be good. Uh, <laughs> there's nothing like flattering the patients right before they pay the bill. And um, how do you measure the health of a church? Well, I mean, look, we could look at the offering plates. We could look at the attendance. We could look at um, uh, whether everyone's walking in with a smile on their face. We could look at whether or not everyone has been financially blessed in the last year. But let's be honest, those are all pretty sad ways of trying to monitor health. Because those things come and go, right? So as, I'm, as your pastor, as I step back and I try to measure the health of Anchored Baptist Church, um, you know the number one thing for me? It actually flows back to that catechism question that we had this morning coming from Exodus and from the fourth commandment. Uh, and that is that people don't push back against the word being preached. Because I could stand up uh, on a Sunday morning and preach from one of Paul's epistles, which we should probably do more of here at Anchored. And yet I could preach from one of Paul's epistles and go on a diatribe, a rabbit trail of all the ways that this one sin that Paul mentions is I see it playing out in the lives of the world and the life of the congregation. But here's the truth, Anchored Baptist Church. As we come week in and week out together and we don't neglect the hearing, the reading, and the preaching of the Word, what I know God the Holy Spirit is going to do through that is He is going to convict you of sin. And I don't need to spell out every single sin. I don't need to be like the, 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 the headmaster, as Paul describes the law as. I don't need to be the parent standing in the corner that lists each of your sins for you. I know that God is going to be laying those sins out for you through His Word. In a similar way, I know that when you come week in and week out and you hear the good news of Jesus proclaimed to you and you don't come to me and say, hey, you know, that was good, Pastor, but I really need to be exhorted towards more work in my life. I see this as a healthy mark in the life of our church. There's lots of other marks that we could probably uh, pinpoint, and yet that is one of them. So I see this as good in the life of Anchored Baptist Church. You know what else I see as good in the life of Anchored Baptist Church? Uh, and that is something, it's a pattern that we see in the life of the early church. Um, we could take, for example, any of the churches that Paul had at hand in planting. We could look at Thessalonica, we could look at Corinth, we could look at um, other churches that get mentioned in certain regions, uh, Lystra and Derby. 
Uh, and we could look at those churches and say, what is it that those churches had that Paul instilled in them? And, and I'll tell you a couple of things that they had. They had active congregations that were taking responsibility and ownership for themselves. Uh, they had leaders that were, frankly, very diverse in all those places. If you go through the names of early church leaders uh, from the book of Acts, you will notice that their skin colors were probably not the same. You would notice that their, uh, their ancestry was not the same. That their language groups were probably not all originally the same. And yet you would notice that there would be very diverse people listed next to one another as elders. There would be very diverse people listed next to one another as deacons, or even as Timothy brought out for us a couple weeks ago, that even the disciples themselves are coming from, uh, let's just say, a mixed bag of backgrounds. And maybe not always the most respectable. And so what do we see happening uh, in the life of the early church, at least everywhere that Paul went? You see churches that are led by people that are residents in those places. Paul's not having to ship in leaders from all over the, the known Judeo-Christian world to try to keep these churches operating, but rather there are people from Thessalonica, there are people from Corinth, that are acting as the leaders of those churches. There are people serving those churches that are coming from those places. And those churches are able to not only operate by themselves, if you want to say it like that, but they're actually able to love one another and care for one another. Do all the things that churches are called and meant to be doing. Anchored Baptist Church, open your eyes and look around. When Jesus promises to, to build His church, He has done that here at Anchored, and He has done that with you. Lastly, uh, what is good, well, healthy, maybe self-sustaining is the word that we could use, even though that sounds like we're not dependent, we know that we're dependent, right? Well, in fact, we know that we are here each and every week to lean on Jesus. Uh, but we'll say it, healthy, self-sustaining, and something that is reproducing as well. It's always been my dream for Anchored that we would not just be a church that is uh, insular, that is not only looking to its own self and its own health, but rather that we would be a church that would grow and expand and send out another church to be started and planted. That's um, a big ambition for any church. And it's not something that's easy. And it's not something that Anchored is yet ready for. But I do think that we are a church that has What do I want to say? We've got the, the bones. <laughs> we, we've got the, the spirit to make that happen here at Anchored at some point in the life of this church. 
We read from Matthew 28, which we just recently studied together. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And anchored, here's the truth. When it comes to being a church that reproduces, uh, we do not need an anchored 2.0, the next town over or in the next province over or anything like that. What we do need to know though is that there are people out in this world that need to hear the good news about Jesus and to have their lives changed and saved by that good news. And this is the most effective way that ABC can, can reproduce. All right, so we've talked about the true. We've talked about the good. And now I want to talk about the beautiful of Anchored. Um, I'll lay it out like this. Um, when I think about what makes Anchored different than the other churches of Hermanus, and I, I'm not actually trying to put anyone down or hold anyone else up now, okay? Because think about it like this with me. Um, you don't plant churches to replace old churches, okay? You plant new churches to welcome new people into God's kingdom. That's why churches get started. Uh, it's not so that there will be a, a replacement effect where this old church is dying out, but a new church has come in. No, it's so there will be more churches saturating a place to maximize the ability of sharing the gospel and seeing a more diverse, whether it be age or people group or whatever, a more diverse and wide-ranging group of people come to know Jesus as their Savior. So when I look at Anchored Baptist Church and some of the things that maybe Marcus is different, there's been three things always that I have been wanting to see as a difference here at Anchored. And one is this, the first thing I brought up, and that is that Christ, His death and resurrection gets preached each and every week, no matter what. All right, Because it's by that word that people come to salvation. All right? The second thing is, I've always dreamed of Anchored being a place that is welcoming. And what I mean by that is this, that if you're coming into church with any sense of a pure motivation, okay, maybe you're lost and Jesus is finding you. Maybe you're hurt and Jesus is lifting the injured sheep up on his shoulders. Maybe you're... Just think that maybe this church thing could be a good idea to try. Whatever the case may be. Um, the Anchored Baptist Church would be a welcoming place. Now, you and I both know that as we look around at people that have come and gone, um, that Anchored Baptist Church is not always welcoming for people that are looking at church as a social venue. That's true. Because we're a little bit different. We are misfits. We're the misfit toys, right? <laughs> I think that's true. We all know that. 
if you're looking at Anchored as the place where you're going to come and be comfortable, once again, you might find that that's not going to be the case. On the other hand, Anchored, we have always been this, and I pray that we will always be this, and that is welcoming. For someone that simply needs to come in, even if they haven't stuck around, and needs to hear the good news about Jesus, those people know that they're welcomed here. And those people come here in all sorts of circumstances. And so, first and foremost, I've always dreamed that Anchored would be, and this is, this is the beautiful now, that Anchored would always be welcoming. The Apostle Paul writes this in Romans chapter 15. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Jesus did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another and accord with Jesus Christ, that together you may be with one you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Anchored, I don't know if you have memories of each of these people, uh, but we have welcomed people into these doors that are the most unlikely of people to come into these doors. And some of those people haven't come back. I'm often convinced that some of those people have not come back because they felt too welcomed here. <laughs> you know, we, we had a, a young uh, male couple that came to church a couple of months ago, four months ago. I can't remember how long ago. And I reached out to those two young men multiple times. They came a couple of times. They felt very welcomed here. At the end of the day, though, uh, there was no pushback. There was no harassment. There was no ill feelings. There was one thing that was true, and that was by our prayer of confession and assurance that took place each and every week in church, um, there was something that was coming across to those young men that they realized that they were welcomed at Anchor. In fact, they were a little too welcomed. Because if they came here, they would also have to confess sin. That can sound a bit harsh right now, the way that I'm saying it, but that has been true of people. We've had other people that have, been, that have come into Anchored broken by their sin. And they've seen Anchored as a place of healing. And so I've always wanted Anchor to be a place of welcome and a place of healing. I'm not going to read all of this passage, but in Ezekiel chapter 34, which we actually just read a couple weeks ago, um, we read about 
the prophet Ezekiel uh, claiming that God Himself is going to come and He's going to rescue His sheep. That He is going to put them in a nice pasture where they will be taken care of and where they will be healthy. Verse 16 of Ezekiel 34 says this, I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong I will destroy and I will feed them in justice. Jesus echoes this in John chapter 10, which we recently also heard from. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. When I talk about healing, I'm not talking about some sort of, uh, uh, of, of therapeutic. <laughs> not talking about people coming in and being psychologically better when they leave. I'm looking at y'all. I know that's not true. All right. <laughs> what I'm talking about is people knowing that they were once lost and, and are now found by their Savior. So I've always desired Anchored to be welcoming and for Anchored to be healing. Anchored, we are that. We have been that for people. And if we continue to be that for people, I know that God will continue to bless our church with good health and continue to bless our church with the ability to, in honesty, reach out to people in love, to meet them where they are at, to meet them in their need. And last but not least, when I think about the beauty of what God has done here, what Jesus has built up here at ABC, I think not just about the welcoming nature of our church, not just about the healing nature of our church, but also the diverse nature of our church. There in Romans, we actually just read a small portion of it. And in Rome, it's interesting because you have a group of mature Gentiles. Let me get that straight. No, we have a group of mature Jews who are Christians now and a group of immature Gentiles. Whereas we've looked at before in Galatians where we have a group of immature Jewish believers, maybe, <laughs> and a, a group of mature Gentiles. I'm probably getting this all mixed up. I, I'm hearing myself speak in circles all of a sudden. Um, but in both places, you have different groups represented, different strengths and different weaknesses. And it's in the diversity of those places that good things, beautiful things, actually start to flow from those churches. In Ephesians, we read this. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now, Christ Jesus but now, in Christ Jesus, you, who were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one, 
and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you who are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. That's Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. Anchored uh, from September 4th, 2016 to today, the purpose of moving into this building, into this little strip of land, has been to be intentionally diverse as a church. Why? Well, the Apostle Paul points out something very important to us here. God is busy reconciling the world to Himself. And although what we do here together by being different kinds of faces and different kind of languages together might not seem magical or mystical or anything like that. In fact, we all know that it's not easy, uh, that there's miscommunications, there's misunderstandings. What we do know from Scripture is that this is a small and beautiful picture of the way that God reconciles. And not only that, what we do here together in our diversity is also a witness to the world around us of the kind of reconciliation that Jesus brings to us. It's not an exact carbon copy of the reconciliation, but it is a beautiful picture of the reconciliation that Jesus brings to us. And it is a beautiful picture of what the church is capable of being. Paul here has told us that there was a dividing wall of hostility, which two weeks ago, in terror, we got to witness that once again, right? And yet, last Sunday, as all the troublemakers leave town, we were able to be called back together again, and I thank God for that. Because it's in that picture of us being brought back together that those dividing walls that are constantly being built up in the world, we get to see those things re-knocked down. And we get to see the gloriousness of Jesus building His church and no longer doing it through, how does Paul say it here? through just one people group that we were once alienated from and strangers to, but rather now we have been built up into one people. And we are 
known as that one people that are being built up into a holy temple in the Lord. And so, Anchored Baptist Church, that is a little bit of a different sermon for this morning. It's not something that I'm totally comfortable with. But as the sinner saints that God has declared us to be, as the saints that have been called together by Jesus to these true, good, and beautiful things, I want you to know that Jesus has blessed us as a church. He has blessed us and He has built us up and He is going to keep on doing Until next time, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all.